This is the second episode of Student versus College Podcast. We have Josh here with us. Uh, thank you for joining, Josh. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So, I am a UT alum. I graduated in December of 2018 as a biology major. Um, I currently work full-time at the university as the parking enforcement supervisor. So I'm the secret most hated man on campus. Came in uh, to UT Dallas in the fall of 2015. I joined the university actually as a comp sci major, but I decided I wanted to teach after I had already been accepted. And so I changed my major at freshman orientation to biology. I entered the university on a national merit finalist scholarship. So tuition and fees were paid. And then I also got a stipend from the university. When you are receiving that scholarship, your cumulative GPA has to stay above a 3.0, or at least it was when I had it. I'm not sure if the policy has changed since then. It's been a year since I dealt with it, but I had a little bit of trouble with that because my freshman year, uh, going into my sophomore year, I was battling with uh, chronic depression. No real cause, I think, that I could cite. It just, I sort of got into a funk for a little while, and uh, it really affected my grades. So I had a pretty high GPA during my first couple semesters, but then first semester of sophomore year, it really tanked. And so I was concerned for a little while I was going to lose my scholarship. Ultimately, I ended up just fine. I actually met my uh, fiance around that time. She sort of encouraged me, helped me get my grades back up. We are obviously still together. So I would say that that pretty well encompasses the first couple of years there in terms of the kind of things I was struggling with. Uh, it was pretty difficult, I would say, but I had a lot of good friends, obviously. And so uh, I think the most important thing that I took away from that was that it's important to know people who can pull you out of a difficult situation like that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. For anyone that's listening that's, that I guess might be going through a similar uh, rough patch, I guess you can call it, uh, in their mm-hmm. life, do you have any advice or um, do you have anything to just say to them? Uh, yeah, so I, I know that obviously we're all adults at UTD and it, as an adult, it can be a little bit difficult to make friends. So, But that's the number one thing I would suggest is you know turn to the people next to you or if you happen to know people you went to high school with or going to the university, if you're from the area, uh, just try to make as many friends as you can. Go to extracurriculars, join some clubs, um, meet your friends' friends. You never know who is going to end up being the most important person to you during that time. And without somebody there to, for lack of a better term, somebody to lean on, you're going to have a much more difficult time if you find yourself in a situation where you need support or you need uh, advice from somebody. Would you be? Would you like to talk a little bit about your job, how you kind of started, uh, and how you ended up in your current position? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I actually met a friend of mine. We sh- we were both in pre-calculus together uh, during my very first semester at UTD, and we met up because we actually were trying to start a D and D group on campus. And uh, <laughs> very cool. All right. Yeah. So uh, he at the time was working for the parking department on campus as a parking enforcement officer. And while I was going through that period where I thought I was going to lose my scholarship, I reached out to him 
and asked if that department was hiring or if he knew if I could get a job on campus because I wanted to make sure that I had some level of financial security if I ended up having to take out student loans and lost the stipend from the university. Uh, I didn't want to be completely high and dry after that. So uh, long story short, he referred me for the position. I interviewed. I ended up as a parking enforcement officer in July of 2017. From there, I did a few months of uh, walking around, writing tickets and things that uh, those officers do. And it was grueling. It was so hot outside. Uh, I remember I had to come in on a Saturday. It was my birthday and it was over 100 degrees. I was out there for four hours in lot, lot A, lot B area. So it's all that open pavement with no trees or shade or anything. So after that, I got promoted to work in the back office. Uh, doing just some basic office work, answering emails, phone calls, things like that. And I graduated. I did that until I graduated in December of 2018, at which point uh, there was an opening that I was hired on to full-time. So since January of uh, 2019, I've been working full-time as the parking enforcement supervisor. I want to transition a little bit into your college life experience. Did you live around the area and then come to college knowing at least a group of friends or knowing people? Or did you kind of went for that, you know, blank slate, clean sheet type of? So I had actually almost the opposite experience. So I, I am born and raised in the area. I grew up over in Carrollton and I came to UTD actually only with like one friend from high school because everybody else I was friends with in high school moved away. And so where I ordinarily would have had some people to hang out with and stay uh, in close contact with, uh, all of a sudden I found that that was no longer the case. And so rather than you know me moving to a new area and having to start over, it was my friends that moved to a new area <laughs> and made me have to start over. Yeah, I, I came in knowing one friend from high school and actually in a roundabout sort of way, knowing that one friend is what led me to the job that I have, being with my wonderful fiance. Really, it, it sort of all stems from me knowing that one guy from high school. So, man, what a what a, what a nice nice friend! Shout out to right, shout out yeah, to that who, guy. shout out, shout out to you, Steve. Uh, shout out to you, Steve. Yeah, We'd love I, to have you at some point if if you're <laughs> if you're free. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll pass that along. I'll talk to him and see if he wants to come on. So you you came into college. You, you even though you lived around the area, you didn't have uh, you didn't know many people except I guess Steve. And right. um, how did you how did you expand uh, your group of friends? I know in our, in our first episode, uh, I, I was talking to Dylan, and he, what he did was that he he would go to dining hall and sit with a new person every single time he would eat. So he would just like, I taking the shotgun approach. I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, taking that approach, uh, which was, I mean, that was mind blowing to me. Um, yeah, but I, mean, so I guess, how did you, how did you approach that? Yeah, that's well. That first of all, let me shout out to that guy. I don't know his name, but that's a great level of uh, social bravery. I, I wish oh, that sure. I had that. Yeah, that's really admirable. Um, I expanded my network actually through, like I said earlier, through. Uh, D and D at first. Mm -hmm. So I ran a game at my high school, and the one guy that I uh, knew at UTD, Steve, uh, we used to play together, and we ended up getting a couple more people, including the guy that referred me for my uh, job with parking. Uh, through him, I became friends with his roommate. Uh, from there, we've added in a couple more people, um, one of whom is, I think, a PhD student at the university, and then another one who 
just whose wife was a student. Uh, it's sort of gone all over the place in terms of the people that it's introduced me to. Uh, and then other than that, I have uh, a good friend that I met through freshman orientation. And then my fiance I met through a friend of Steve's. So it sort of expanded in all different directions. It wasn't really one specific method that led me to it. But I would say, you know, try it as much as you can. Talk to the people around you. Uh, yeah, if you have the level of confidence that uh, the other guy has. Dylan, go yeah. Go, Dylan, yeah. Nice job, Dylan. Go just sit with people in the dining hall. Um, and make them like you, of course, that's uh, a valid, that's a valid uh, method as well. You kind of like um, met people through your, through your friends. So you just kind of like, oh, well, you guys are hanging out. What's your name? Yeah. as the whole like six degrees of separation. Yeah. <laughs> I actually played D&D for the first time uh, mm -hmm. this, this semester. Um, I've always, it, it was always something that I've been interested in. I just, I guess, didn't know enough people in it. But yeah, it was it was definitely it was definitely cool. Uh, do you still do you still keep up? Do oh yeah, yeah. I actually so I put the group on hold uh, until after the new year so that I could finish my teaching certification. But uh, up until uh, the beginning of this month, we were playing. I've been playing the same uh, game roughly with mostly the same, some of the same people for oh gosh seven years at this point. So oh man, been, yeah, pretty long time. A uh, lot of changes, rearrangements, and births and deaths of different groups so uh, <laughs> you made a lot of friends that way I, I guess how did you um how did you get into D D and what 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 kept you uh, i guess coming back so i actually got into it uh i dated a girl in high school whose dad was like basically i guess for lack of a better description like one of the old guard like he played back when D D was first introduced in the 70s uh and had kept up whenever he could since then and so he had this huge wealth of knowledge but nobody to share anything with and nobody to play games with and so she and i and uh, another good friend of mine from high school and um uh, one of his friends joined in uh, and we all played for what was ultimately a pretty brief period i would say over a couple of months we maybe played half a dozen games or so but i was i was immediately hooked and so from that point i was 15 and from that point, I started uh, world building. I wrote my own setting and uh, basically just applied D&D over the top of it. And I've been working on that, building it, and playing in it with a bunch of different people since then. It really, what brings me back to it is just that it's a, an outlet for you to express sort of a different kind of creativity than most other outlets will, will give you. So it's, it's, it feels pretty rewarding. And that is, uh, I feel like that requires a next level of like, imagination to be because you, you you have to create the, the world right so it's, it's everything just kind of comes from your from yeah, your imagination I mean, you have a couple of options like you can do it that way which is sort of the hard way i really have my work cut out for me or you know, there's pre-built uh worlds and adventures and stuff that you can get access to you can buy them through the parent company or find them online if people are willing to share them so there's a lot of ways to get into it that aren't necessarily such a big time investment it's accessible to I would say most people who have a, a Saturday evening free and a handful of friends to play with. So um, I guess for someone like me that, that I guess wants to get a couple of my other friends and, and I mean, we, we don't really know anything. Uh, where would you say is the best, best place to start or how would you recommend just like going online, finding a, like, is there a character sheets, right? I mean, at least yeah, I was so, kind of the character sheet when I played. 
so you could do it that way, uh, or actually at like Walmart or Target even, they have a D and D starter set. It just comes in a box, just says starter set on it, and that's everything you need to run your first uh, couple of sessions. Uh, so you just open it up. There's, I think, some dice, some character sheets. I don't actually own one, so I'm not 100% sure of the contents, but I do know that it's pretty much everything that you need to get started. So uh, open it up, play it like a board game. Um, it should be pretty uh, low preparation. Well, thank you. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was even a thing. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no problem. Definitely something I need to look at. So as a so you, so you commuted um, to mm-hmm. to to I guess to to UT Dallas almost every day, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, some very few days I would stay at uh, Steve's dorm, but for the most part, I was commuting. Yeah. Um, how would you say that? Would you say that that impacted your uh, college experience? Because I mean, there are people post on the UTD subreddit a lot about this question, like, oh, how much, or you know, will I lose? out on that you know i guess classic college experience if um if i'm commuting uh, what's your what's your opinion on that what i would say is it's less important that you have the classic college experience and more important that you have the college experience that you want so uh, if what you want is to live on campus and be there all the time uh never really too separated from your studies or the people who you know at college then that you know that's your prerogative um i if possible, personally would recommend commuting. Uh, it was nice to be able to go to class and then you know, go home to something a little bit more familiar and sort of get out of it for a little while. Uh, I will say though, that I was more tempted, like let's say if I, if I had a class, if I had just one class on a day, I'd be really tempted to just skip that one class because I wouldn't want to drive for 30 minutes to go to a 50 minute class, then drive 30 minutes back home, you know? So ultimately I had to sort of build my schedule in a way that I wasn't going to be tempted to skip like one class. And I was more distanced from a lot of on-campus organizations uh, because I didn't really feel that a lot of them were worth the extra time staying on campus when I could drive home, as opposed to if I lived on campus, I'd just be like, Hey, you know, I, live like right there i may as well go to this thing because it's not going to be that late when i get home so it definitely changed my college experience in that sense Uh, i spent probably more time at home and less time hanging out with a lot of the friends that i made on campus uh, because it involved a 30-minute drive coming over to hang out with them as opposed to just walking up the road i guess you 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 found ways around that right so you know Mm -hmm. i i I assume you schedule your classes to where you know you 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 didn't have that one class on the Friday at one yeah. p.m. Yeah, I really I did my best to not do that to myself because I knew that if I did, I was just going to skip it. So, to what degree do you think that impacted your ability or to make friends, or you know, your your your, or to what degree did you think that impacted your social life? Uh, I would say, in in a vacuum, it probably would have impacted it pretty greatly. I. If I wasn't spending a lot of time on campus, I think that I wouldn't have made a whole lot of new friends. But because of my this specific f- friend that I happened to bring with me to UTD, uh, it ended up not being a particularly big issue. So, uh, for uh, if I were to apply that to like a general purpose question, I would say that it probably will diminish your social life with the people on campus uh, if you don't live on campus. 
And um, do you have any advice for um, students that are thinking about commuting or that are actively commuting? Yeah, so the biggest thing is, like I said, try not to tempt yourself into skipping class. Uh, don't schedule like a single 8.30 a.m. class on a Monday because you're not going to go to that, to be honest with yourself. Um, Man, I live on campus, and sometimes it's hard to even Sometimes get it's hard to, yeah. Oh, yeah. 30 a.m. classes. Yeah, imagine, imagine if you had to drive half an hour to get to it in, in rush hour traffic through, like, three school zones. So I would also say if you're going to be commuting, uh, be sure that whatever car you're going to be driving is reliable. Uh, I personally, thank goodness I never had uh, a car break down Actually, no, that's not true. I did have uh, my current car by a uh, power steering pump failed on my way into campus one time. But just generally speaking, uh, make sure that if you're going to be commuting that you have a reliable vehicle because like, you don't want to get uh, stuck on the road somewhere and miss class, miss an exam or something like that uh, that you could have just walked to if you lived on campus. Other than that, if you're going to commute, don't bother eating at the dining hall. Like it. If you don't live on campus, it's it's not worth it. There are better, cheaper places in the immediate vicinity of campus. So unless you only have like thirty minutes to eat, just go somewhere else. You know that's sorry. That's that's funny you say that because Dylan from our first episode, he commutes. He has a, you know, he has a full on meal plan. And he's <laughs> at the dining hall. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's convenient. It's convenient. I'll say that. So if if the convenience is uh, a a big factor for you, then it makes perfect sense to get a meal plan. I don't want to knock it too much. (laughs) That is just interesting to see Mm -hmm. or to, I guess, hear. Do you have any uh, hobbies? You you know, you mentioned when we had a brief conversation before us that you like video games. Mm -hmm. You you know, you you, you put a lot of time into it. How did you get into video games? Uh, Was it like early on because of like a parent or an older sibling or a cousin or something? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, my step-grandfather, actually, he had a Super Nintendo that he didn't really play. And so he so he, he was always big into, like, the Nintendo Entertainment System when it first came out. He had a Super Nintendo that he didn't really play anymore, so he gave it to me as a little kid. I was probably five or six years old uh, with Super Mario World and, a, like, a small selection of other stuff. But I really, really latched onto it. Uh, I had a great great time with it as a kid i probably my younger brother he's uh, 19 and i was just hanging out with him recently and i said that uh, i probably put more hours into uh playing mario than he has played video games in his whole life uh, i i've spent so much time in it it really started with that um i've been hooked on him ever since the most important thing for me is a uh, good uh, smooth gameplay good story um, I have not had as much time lately to play them as I used to, but uh, I think if anything, it sort of makes me appreciate them a little bit more. So, what would be, I guess, your top five? I mean, if if you can do a top five video oh, games gosh. that you've played, or if you do, if you want to do a top ten, that's fine. And I know sometimes it's really hard to. It, it doesn't have to be in any necessary order. Just yeah, in. In no particular order, except for number one, I guess. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, my top five, I have... Oh, gosh. Well, my number one is definitely Super Mario World, and it's not close. It's the hands-down winner. I think the uh, level design is great. The music is infectious. Uh, I I really, really love it. Um, 
the next four in no real order uh i would say are the dark souls 3 specifically i love the entire trilogy but i've had the most fun with the third one black ops 1 multiplayer that i i played it with my friends actually several years after it was no longer particularly popular we just get on a a private game and play together and i've probably laughed harder playing that than any other game really love civilization 5 for when i have like 12 straight hours to do nothing but uh play games um skyrim is a big one for me i've spent thousands of hours uh modding it and up there also i have to put uh i have to put runescape up there uh, i haven't played it uh, for any significant amount of time in the last few years, but um, I, oh my gosh, between age like 13 and 19, I spent almost a third of my time awake playing it. So, man, that's uh, that's, a, that's a very bold statement. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm serious. I have the they they track the time that you've played. I have the numbers to back it up. It's like 380 something days played. It's, oh man, it's, it's, an, obscene, it's an obscene, <laughs> it's an obscene amount of time. And looking back on it, I, I wish I'd done something more productive with that time. But, <laughs> you know, what can you do? I, I had fun, and I always say that uh, time that you enjoy wasting is not really wasted. So, agreed, agreed. Um, so this is, I guess, coming from my um, unknowledgeable, uh, uh, you know, platform or point of view. But what does it exactly mean to to mod uh, mod a game? I know, I know, Skyrim is like known for just being modded for i mean however many years it's been out but what do they what does that exactly mean like how do you mod a game do you uh, add like textures or i mean how that's, does that work that's a big one yeah it's like adding higher resolution textures basically just to make the game look uh better uh, but there's also i mean huge dlc sized mods that add new areas new quests new voice acting and things like that uh the type yeah, of thing new that voice I, acting yeah, yeah, they all, they'll have oh, wow. independent independent voice artists come in and fully voice act their mods. Some of them are not that great. Uh, some of them are actually really impressive. So um, the thing that I typically try to go for is like the most realistic balance experience I can get. Uh, I try to make combat a little bit more dangerous and uh, overall go for a, a grittier, more realistic feel. But there, you can do almost anything with it. I mean, you can turn dragons into thomas the tank engine you can like put my little pony pictures on the guard shields like there's an almost limitless level of freedom that you have uh and the reason i really like it is exactly that you get to change the game into basically whatever you want it to be and so do you do this by like uh you know altering the the the, the code the source code of the game uh, not, or is not it... directly no that's that's way over my head um, so there are some tools that you can use. Uh, there's Vortex, which is through a website called the Nexus Mod Manager. It's like the most popular uh, hub where all those mods get uploaded. Um, there's also Mod Organizer 2, but they are the similar in that they're both basically interfaces that let you sort of plug and play uh, mods without having to worry about, like you said, going in and changing any kind of code or anything like that. There are tools which are provided by the developer that actually let you create mods and things like that uh, the parent company is really supportive of the modding community they've actually integrated it as an official feature it 
is mostly just a matter of finding out which ones you want and loading them in the correct order because if you load them in the wrong order then certain mods will overwrite others and you'll end up with the sort of unstable not particularly great looking game so it is i mean i don't want to i don't want to blow too much smoke but it's uh, definitely an acquired skill there's a lot of stuff that you can do right out of the gate and then there's a lot of things that you need more practice and to be a little bit more knowledgeable to be able to do. So there's a really, really high skill ceiling to modding the game. And did you get into this by like, I don't know, going online and reading like tutorials or watching like, uh, pretty YouTube much, videos? Yeah. Or yeah, you, you just both. kind of found your way through it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the game, but I was like found myself running out of stuff to do or like I'd walk into a room and be like, hey, that texture is really ugly. If I can fix that. And so, yeah, through basically just Google searching uh, and watching the, the, the classic YouTube tutorial videos with the uh, stock royalty free music and directions, <laughs> directions typed up on Notepad. I uh, love those videos. Yeah, it's a classic, a hallmark of like 2014 <laughs> YouTube. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just found my way into it mostly by accident. Um, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of it my first couple of years of college. I got, uh, I, I played what some might consider an unhealthy amount of Skyrim, uh, but I don't do that too much now. I've sort of got it in a state where I like it, uh, and I don't, uh, I don't mess with my my mods too much at this point. Okay. Um, so I have a couple more questions uh, regarding gaming. So mm -hmm. taking a step back, how do you think like playing video games has, I guess, impacted um, your, I mean, your, your, your life? Um, how do you, uh, um, how, how, how would you describe that impact? Cause I know um, there are a lot of uh, older generation at least let's let's, mm -hmm. let's call them that that looks <laughs> down on on kids playing you know video games or kids spending their time uh, uh playing video games um do you how, how would you respond to those or you know could um, you bring up an example from your own life that yeah i so i would say going back to when i was a little kid actually i when playing video games as like a five and six year old kid I was a terribly angry little child. Like anytime I would like get I'd stuck on a hard level or die a whole bunch, I would throw an absolute like wall-eyed fit. It was horrible. Uh, and so basically the more that I encountered those simulated difficult situations, uh, it taught me how to uh, deal with that, respond to those in a way that was not uh, destructive or you know unacceptable. Um, it taught me, I used to play a lot, like I said, a lot of MMOs, um, and they definitely taught me a lot of conflict resolution, because when you are running a raid, or you're like trying to kill a boss or something like that, you have to cooperate with people. Uh, and in a lot of cases, these are people who you never met in person. They're people who live across the globe. They may not even speak the same language as you. So you need to be able to communicate what you need uh, and, you know, what they need to do in a way that they'll understand. And so, if anything, I would say that playing games has improved my conflict resolution. It's improved my communication ability. And that goes for uh, multiplayer video games as well as tabletop games, board games like D&D, stuff like that, uh, have really improved um, the way that I am socially. 
Awesome. Yeah. No. Thank you. Uh, thank you for for sharing that. Yeah. Um, of course. I so I I personally played a lot of uh, CS:GO mm-hmm. my senior year of high school. I, I guess you know you some would say an unhealthy amount. Of, <laughs> uh, CS:GO. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely understand the whole like perseverance and communication part, especially when you're playing at two a.m. with people from other continents that right. do not speak English. Um, so it's it's definitely been a, an interesting experience. Um, what do you? I'm, I'm curious. What do you think of the whole rise of esports? So like UT <laughs> Dallas recently has had like big push in that direction. There's been kind of like a global uh, acceptance, like not acceptance, but an interest in in, in esports. What do you, what do you think of that? I, I think it's a t- perfectly valid form of entertainment. I mean, like we saw. Uh, several years ago, the rise of the Let's Play on YouTube. And it's a similar sort of thing where you're just watching people play a video game. And so people who don't play video games, I think, would find it difficult to understand why that's entertaining to watch. And that difficulty understanding comes from an honest place. Like, I, I get it. It's If it's not something that you're into doing yourself, then why would you want to watch it? But uh, I think that it's, uh, by the same token, if it's something that people want to watch, uh, then there's no reason not to organize it, make it into a uh, a sport, and put some sort of prize uh, on the line for that. You know, I mean, it may not be as physically impressive as, say, like uh, short distance sprinting or like Olympic level swimming. Sure, like I I, I won't say that uh, it is as grueling on the body necessarily to compete at that same level uh, in esports, but it is there's a, a extremely high level of skill that's required and so as somebody who has played video games uh, specifically i know that a lot of uh, esports are uh, fighting games like smash you also have uh, rts games like league of legends i'm terrible at both of those genres like an utter dumpster fire at both of those types of games and so the level of skill that is put by those players I think is really impressive uh, and it, it sort of keeps my eyes glued to it so uh, I think that it is it's a good thing um, it's important that we maintain a positive environment regarding esports we don't want it to get too toxic or anything like that but um, I think overall it should it should definitely continue if people want to watch it so now that you are an alumni and you, you, you work at the university as a full, full-time you know, staff, how has that uh, changed your view, I guess, of the university? Uh, if anything, I would say that it's improved my opinion of the university. So as a student, I always, oh, you know, you got to, uh, like, just to cite a relevant example, like, oh, I got to pay all this to park on campus. Oh, you know, if I, and that's even coming from somebody like me, who I didn't have to pay tuition or take out loans or anything like that, I still sort of felt like I, the university wasn't really working for me, so to speak. Like, I, I felt like they weren't reaching a lot of students in the way that they should be or putting forth the effort to create an environment that's conducive, not just to students learning the content and the courses, but to also having a positive social experience. But uh, now that I work on campus and I've seen sort of the back end of stuff, like I've gone to homecoming committee meetings and like a bunch of stuff like that, I understand the level of work 
that is put in by the staff at the university uh, to make those positive experiences for everybody on campus. And so uh, really, I think that working on campus has done nothing but uh, improve my opinion of the way that the entire institution functions. Awesome, awesome. Um, so I guess I just want to open up the floor. Uh, if there's anything else you wanted to share, if there's anything else you wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I just a couple of things. Um, try, like, put as much effort as you can into making friends. I cannot overstate how important it is um, to have some kind of support network just in case something goes terribly wrong. It is also important that you go to class. Please go to class. I learned from my mistakes. I didn't go to class nearly as much as I should have really uh, affected my grades in a lot of classes. And so try not to fall into the trap of, oh, you know, this professor doesn't take attendance grades, so I can just show up for the test. It uh, doesn't always work out quite the way that you plan. So uh, overall, be a good student, or at least the best student that you can be. Uh, make friends. Uh, and try to leave the university a better place than you found it.